everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of Team Talk. Um, obviously, no Premier League games this weekend, so we're going to do sort of a topic and an off-script show for this Friday as well. Um, so what we're going to be talking about is the sort of the best international teams that we've seen, uh, up-and-coming international teams. We're doing an off-script as well, as I just mentioned, and a bit of a question question time at the end as well. Before we get started, Adam, I don't know if you want to tell everyone, all the listeners, uh, all about Man United's new signing, Jaden Sancho, this week. I knew you were going to say that. How much has he signed for? <laughs> How long is the contract? What number is he wearing? Swiftly moving on, we have got to, no, in, joking aside, it was, uh, was like a 90% sort of chance it was going to happen. But yeah, absolute shambles. And we've got, yeah, the best international teams. Um, I'll kick it off, Matt, if you like. So there's, there's sort of two that come to mind and there's one that might be a bit controversial. So what I've got is the the Brazil team from 2002 to 2006. That to me was one of the best teams I've ever seen, not just international teams. It's up there with sort of Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team. Um, they, were, they weren't just skillful. They weren't just uh, technically gifted. They were such a powerful team, quick. They were just They just had everything. And the only probably negative you could say about them was defensively they'd be caught out from time to time but they did outscore you I made a list of some of the players that just come to mind here you had the original Ronaldo Ronaldinho for me one of my favorite players of all time there was Kaká Janinho um, at the back you had Roberto Carlos and Cafu the Dider in goal uh, Adriano you mentioned he was a big player into Milan when he was sort of in his prime Miss Rivaldo um, Rivaldo was there yeah Rivaldo as well it's such a good team there's so many players to mention and that sort of yellow kit's like an iconic yeah. I just think that Brazil will always be a team that is such a big name in international tournaments. They are the team to beat. I mean, I think they've won more World Cups than anybody else. And yeah, no matter what what Brazil teams playing, it's it's Brazil at the end of the day. Even just you can just if you draw them in the like, competition, it's like oh we've we've got Brazil. It's like drawing a Real Madrid or a Barcelona in a Champions League. It's such a big team. Um, the other one that I wanted to mention was the um, the Italy team in two thousand and six. Did you do you remember that tournament? Vaguely. It was in Germany. Yeah, a lot of that period of my life seems to merge together. Yeah. So a lot of drinking, <laughs> Um But yeah, that's that, serious that... as well. <laughs> no, 2004, 2006, 2008, up to 2010. <laughs> I think that was like, I remember everything after that. But that's just one big blow. <laughs> that was a, that was a one, long, one long night. <laughs> Four years long night. 2004 went ah it was 2010 the next morning we've all done it <laughs> we've all been there um but yeah the the 2006 italy team um it, it didn't look initially like a great team they had the sort of the the, the players the totti gattuso del piero nesta buffon but they were all sort of old they were all late 20s early 30s and i remember a few a few friends of mine we looked at the group and, and they said look they're not going to get out of that group and we didn't look great that whole tournament in terms of the way we played. We were just scraping through games, but that traditionally is what Italy have always done. They'll they'll nick a lead and then defend really well. Um, but so that, that team they had Luca Toni up front. Yeah, that, yeah, that Luca Toni played in that yeah, team. Yeah, no, in that. fact, uh, I don't know if he played in that tournament. I think it was the the tournament after. Okay. Up front in that we had Christian Vieri played. I think Del Piero, yeah, yeah, yeah. Giladino. A few guys you remember Giladino? Yeah, I, I remember a lot about that time. Yeah. Um, an interesting stat for that tournament, we only conceded two goals. One of them was a penalty, which was in the finals. Zidane clipped it in off the bar. And another one was an own goal. We didn't actually concede a goal scored from the opposition in open play. Um, and yeah, obviously, being half Italian, amazing year for me. Uh, it was, and Man United won the league that year. It was 
really, really good summer. Um, and the other team, which is, it might be a bit controversial, but in terms of an international team, international stars, not necessarily what they've won, but we've, we've mentioned it before, that England team, they've yeah. got that golden generation, Beckham, Lampard, Gerrard, Scholes, Owen, Rooney, Ferdinand, Terry, Neville, Cole. It was such a good team. That I think that will always be. I think Henri was on Sky Sports at, some, at one point and he sort of mentioned that, he brought it up. I can't remember what, what the conversation was about, but he said how you guys did not win something with that. <laughs> Other countries would look at us with envy. The, the the players we had, but I mean, we spoke about it before the reasons and things like that. It's a shame we never won anything, but on paper, that team should be beating any team. Any team. Do you remember that team? Do you remember, should, should we quickly run through it? It's played 4 4 2, didn't they? They played a 4 4 2, yeah. Seaman so, in goal. I think Seaman sort of Robinson was. You remember Paul Robinson? He sort of crept in in that sort of stage as well. I hated Seaman. I never. I don't know. I didn't really have an opinion on him one way or the other. He's an Arsenal goalkeeper, and obviously he had that infamous chip from Ronaldinho against that that Brazil team we spoke about. What was? I was fifteen years old. Thing I was. I was in school. Went to school early because you remember that tournament yeah. all started in the early in the morning. Yeah, I remember I sat in the assembly or watching it. I, was, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. Yeah, you know, he just like he just put his hand in it. And honestly, like I just, I'm sure it was. Well, I know it was a great goalkeeper, but I'm telling you, even now, if I saw him, I wouldn't go up to him. Would and you not say, be starstruck no, or anything? No, I just be like, it's your fault. Yeah, <laughs> you are the reason. Yeah, a little bit harsh, but yeah, a little um, bit. But you know, but yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember going to school early. England flag, people beeping on the way to work. It was such a good day, and. Uh, yeah, international football. When when your country's, you know, what I mean, in the later stages of competition, it's uh, it, that feeling. There's nothing else like it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he on. wasn't the only player that played in that team. Man. He was not. Yeah, no, <laughs> we, we forgot what we were doing. There. We were going to run through the team. So yeah, back four was Gary Neville, Neville at right back. Gary Neville at right back. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Did they have Gary Neville? Because they, they had Gary Neville. Obviously, they did have Gary. how many times can you say Gary Neville in thirty seconds? <laughs> they did have Gary Neville, but they also, if you remember, Danny Mills was brought into that team. Do you remember Danny yeah, Mills? I do remember Danny Mills. I don't remember him playing too often. Um, but I think the core of the t- the, the basic eleven, what people talk about, is is Neville. Isn't it? Yeah, and Campbell. then it's Ferdinand and I mean Campbell was there. No, I think it was, it was Terry and Campbell at that time. Terry and Campbell was it? Yeah, because Ferdinand kind of came a little bit later, I think, and pushed Campbell out. Yeah, Ferdinand was there for the two thousand six team, which was the oh yeah, he was a good player. Um, obviously Ashley Cole left back. Ashley Cole day, left back. Probably one of the best. Um, oh yeah, and then you had. David Beckham, yeah, absolute legend. Um, the good old Lampard, Gerard, sort of midfield too. Yeah. Never get a left-sided player, could they? They can never. I know they pushed Skulls out there for a bit, and it just didn't really work. But it, obviously, I'd argue Skulls should be one of the set of two. Skulls yeah. in that team would have, I think, could have made a big difference. Uh, Try putting Trevor Sinclair out on the left wing. Do you remember Trevor that? Sinclair had a play, but Joe Cole had a good phase there. He was a, uh, yeah. he did all right as well. Fair play to him. He, he was sort of. That's the probably one position that I don't know. Maybe if Giggs would have played for England or something, that that would have completed that team. This is a curse, isn't it, with Wales? Because they had Giggs on the left wing, and everyone was trying to think, oh, you know, he, he could have played for England. And then just as he starts coming up to the end of his career, what do Wales go and do? They produce Gareth Bale. <laughs> yeah, they've always got some. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Joking, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's a shame that that sort of left side for England always seemed to be maybe a weak point, and I think goalkeeper as well was probably the position that. Was a, was a weak area. And then up front, I mean, you had, there was a period with Owen and Heskey, but I think that the two that people refer to of the golden, it was Rooney and Owen. Um, Rooney was raw, 18 years old, burst onto the scene. Owen was sort of in that period where he was just dropping off, I think. 
So it's a shame. If you had a prime Rooney and a prime Owen, I think that would have been absolutely frightening. Um, but yeah, no, that was the sort of... I'd take Heskey and, and Owen, you know, over um, over Rooney and Owen. Have you have you been drinking today? Well, you know, I've all anything out. But... <laughs> Seriously, I would. You know, Owen says that in his book, in his book, and he says it several times. Like he loved playing with Heskey. And with Heskey, you know, there were times where Heskey was a donkey, but when you put him up with Owen, it just it just worked. It worked at Liverpool. Yeah, but you could argue that he liked playing with Heskey because that's what he was. He was at his best when he was with Heskey. Yeah. If you played Heskey with him at Newcastle and later on in his career, I don't think he'd have enjoyed it so much, in my opinion. But <laughs> you, um... I don't know. I'd, I'd take it at his best, Michael Owen with an Emil Heskey over a Wayne Rooney and a Michael Owen. Michael Owen at his best, mate. No competition. Cool, cool. Well, uh, we'll agree to disagree. It's what it's about. It's about <laughs> opinions. People aren't always going to agree with what you say, and I don't at this moment. In time. <laughs> Get Rooney out of that England team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of best international teams, obviously we we're talking about England. Did you have any um, any of us that jumped to mind? Maybe. A... I think there's um, there's obviously always always good international teams. Uh, one thing that that seems to stick in my mind, and we'll, we'll move on to England in a minute. Um, but teams like Germany and Holland, mm. France, they're never bad for long. Like they might have like a one bad tournament, but then they'll they'll come back. And just about a little bit about Holland here. It's quite an interesting um, subject. Holland, I, I know they're not everyone. They're not the big team. You, you wouldn't think to yourself, "Oh, I can't wait to go and see Holland play," like you would England or Brazil or Argentina. But I mean, Holland, you know, it's a it's a small country. You know, is it, they've not got the best domestic league at all. You know. It's arguably fifth, sixth, seventh. You could argue some championship teams have beat a lot of what is in that league, maybe even League One teams. Yeah. Um, but they produce players, you know, and they, they always produce. You can guarantee a couple of things. You can guarantee they'll produce a pacey winger. You think about who they've had, and, and they'll they'll produce a striker. Not just a striker, but a clinical striker and a centre back. Mm. And you look at who's at the back for them at the minute. They've got Van Dyke, who's obviously one of the best players, well, best defenders in the world. But behind him, they've got Delict, mm. and they've got Ake. Mm. Now, realistically, that's especially Delict and Ake. That's ten to fifteen years worth of world class centre backs. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? And the the wingers they've got Depay, Bergwin, Kluivert's coming through. The players that they've had previously, I mean, Roy Mackay, Huntelaar, Van Persie, Bergkamp, Van Nistelrooy. Yeah. They're all lethal. Do you know what I mean? And if we're such a small country with such a, a poor domestic league and no one really watches the league either, yeah. I just think it's incredible that, that they are not just able to do it, but able to continue doing it time after time after time. Yeah, I think it's a good point. You look at the big international teams, they've got really good domestic leagues. You could probably make an exception for the South American, the Brazil, Argentina. They've just they just produce gifted footballers yeah. every every bloody day. Um, but yeah, no, Holland's a good point. I remember I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Holland because when I was younger and was watching the football before I really got into football, my dad got me a Dennis Bergkamp figurine. It was about I don't know about ten inches tall, and I remember the orange kit, and I just thought no other team had an orange kit. Yeah. So I was obsessed, and every time they'd come on, I'd want Holland to win just because of that. So, so I've always got had a bit of a soft spot for Holland. Um, but it sort of moves us on nicely. I mean, you're talking about the young players coming through. Um, if we look at sort of up-and-coming international teams, um, I don't suppose you want to sort of take the lead on that. Who have you sort of... I mean, you, you've got to say England. Yeah. You know, England, uh, I think, I genuinely think 
now we're on the verge possibly as long as it's managed right of another golden generation i mean i've got it wrote down in front of me but and this is not all of them you know there's more of this i know pickford's had a bit of a shaky get rid I'm not, a fan. <laughs> not a fan at all but i mean you know the the back i mean you've got chill playing well gomez trent alexander arnold mm. midfield sancho your mate Foden, <laughs> Ali, I know again he's hot and cold, Mason Mount, Madison, Declan Rice, Harvey Barnes, Raheem Sterling, Rashford, Abraham, Kane, Greenwood, Calvert-Lewin. Do you know what I'm saying? If you can't win something with that, if, if this was someone else, and say Germany or France had this and we were on the outside looking in, you'd be thinking to yourself, do you know what, like, over the next couple of years, them lot are going to win something. Yeah. And England, they've got to make an opportunity of this because it's not... It's not just that we've got one player coming through, like when Rooney came through, or one or two players coming through that we think are going to be good. This is players coming through in every single position. And there's a squad, isn't it? It's not just like 11. There's, exactly. there's a good 15, 16 there as well. A good 15, 16. They're all playing football. I'm liking, obviously, you want to see the best players in the Premier League. Of course you do, because we live here. But I'm liking that they're now not afraid to go abroad and, yeah. and maybe learn a different culture and a different attitude and just, Get out. We talked about it on the England special previously, like the drinking culture here, but just move away and start to become more professional, more mature, come back together, and hopefully, hopefully, we can start seeing some serious success with England. Not sure Southgate is the right man for the job, though. I was going to say, yeah. Um, I mean, when you when we spoke about the topic and it was sort of up and coming teams, I, I had a good think and I had a look online as well. And England was the team with the young sort of average ages, is very young. Um, I mean, you mentioned a few there. You've got, I don't know if you mentioned Jack Grealish as well. I think he's oh, yeah. such yeah. a big player for England. Yeah. I don't think people realise like what, what sort of he can do for the squad. And Barkley. Um, Ross, yeah, Ross Barkley's a bit, is he, is he sort of past that? He had a lot of potential and then he staggered. It'll be interesting to see him at Villa. He had a good start, obviously, 7-2 against Liverpool. <laughs> um, but goalkeeper as well. I've never been a fan of Pickford. I don't think anything's going to change my mind, but... You know, Nick Pope for Burnley, um, Henderson for Manchester United. He's he's sort of come out and said he wants to be the um, match just dropped his six hundred pounds. But yeah, no, even Henderson for Man United. He, he said a, a season or two ago he wants to be England and Manchester United's number one. What a statement to make! And I'm not being funny. He went away on loan for a couple of seasons. Did an incredible job for Sheffield United. He's come back to Manchester United. I think he's only had a couple of appearances, but I mean, he's made some cracking saves in that time and there's no doubt in there we have got a quality goalkeeper on our hand, um, England have for the next, I mean, what, I think he's only 22, 23, Henderson, if that. That's that's what, three or four tournaments we get out of him? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just think the England, England sort of national team is one of the ones where you look at the age, not just players coming through, the current squad is very young. Um, but yeah, I don't suppose you had any other thoughts on on up and coming national teams. Obviously, we spoke about Holland having some young players ready to come through England yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I've, I said it with with Holland. Yeah, like the the delict stuff. Going back to England, it's quite an interesting topic about the goalkeeping situation mm. because if if you think about who we've had in in the net over the last couple of years, like they've had obviously Pickford, fair enough, he played and he played well in that World Cup. He did play well. He's starting to go a bit on the downward turn now. And think about who there was before him. Joe Hart, again, he, he was playing well. Again, he started to veer off a little bit. Yeah. And you think back in history, you know, Paul Robinson, you mentioned him. He was a great goalkeeper. Again, he he, he started to make a few mistakes. Rob Green, 
he was a great goalkeeper. The second he went in the England team, he started to make a few mistakes. You remember that goal he let in against America, where literally, I think it was, was it, it was it Clint, Dem- Clint Dempsey? The yeah, shot, I think it was 2010, it was just coming at him. It just rolled through his legs. And again, he was a great goalkeeper. Scott Carson as well wasn't too bad. It was either one that was the uh, Wally with the Broly, Steve McLaren, he let the goal yeah. in against, was it Croatia? Croatia, yeah. Basically just hit his hand yeah. and hit the bar and went in. Goalkeeper, you don't know what it is. It just seems to be like a cursed position for him. I don't think, I mean, you mentioned great goalkeeper, Paul Robinson. Or I, I don't think we've ever, ever had a great goalkeeper. I mean, I know you don't like him, but the last great keeper where you could say we've got one of the best keepers, maybe Seaman. And even like you said, it's like a curse. He came into the England squad. Look at the mistake he made. Yeah. But the thing is, I think we spoke about this, uh, I can't remember what episode it was, but mistakes for goalkeepers are highlighted so much more. If, if a player makes a bad pass, everyone regroups, it's forgotten about two seconds later. If the keeper makes a bad, bad decision or a mistake, it usually results in a goal. And um, international football... The pressure on on England. I mean, there's so many, everybody knows how passionate England fans are. We are desperate for them to win something. So I couldn't imagine the pressure of the goalkeeper being stood there on his own between the sticks. It's it's bound to cause some mistake. Massive. And I don't think we've had a good goalkeeper. And I know, obviously, um, biased Manchester United fan, whatever. Henderson to me looks like one of the probably one of the best we've had for a long time. If he can keep his progression, slowly get into the Manchester United team. I can't see why Henderson can't be England's goalkeeper for the next 10, 15 years. He is he's looking really, really good. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying about the goalkeeping position. And you're right, you know, if they do make one mistake, you know, then then fair enough, you know, it goes in and, and it's a but I, I would say that you take that with the position. Yeah. That's not a brand new thing. Also, as well, other countries don't have this problem. You think about Germany and you think, oh, if Germany had a great goalkeeper, I can name two. Oliver Kahn, Manuel Neuer. Yeah. You think about France, and they had a great goalkeeper. Yeah, they're Bartes. Don't say Bartes, Jesus. <laughs> and who, who's he? What? I forgot his name now. Loris. Tottenham. Loris, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I don't forget his name. Um, Italy, Buffon. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like these other countries, they, they don't have this problem, and it's only England. Even even Brazil, you know, Dida in golf was it was AC Milan's number one. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know Argentina haven't had the best time goalkeepers, but other countries they don't they don't have. You know this problem, and you can name great goalkeepers: Holland, Van der Sar. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? They're, and even if they, they do make mistakes, they come back from it. And yeah. England goalkeepers, once they made the mistake, that's it. They just kind of melt into the ground, and they're never really heard of again. They end up in the Championship with Rooney, and they just—I I just think that other countries must be doing something that we're not. I think for me, I don't know if you if you agree, but other countries sort of have a a good goalkeeper with England. There's always a group of average keepers, so that one mistake leads you to maybe being dropped, or there's someone ready to take your place. For example, if Buffon makes a mistake, he's still in that Italy team the next tournament. If like when Van der Sar, if he made a mistake, he'd still be playing um, for whoever it is, and it's just like Larice at the minute. No one's going to take his place. Manuel Neuer, if he goes out, I've, I've seen him make the odd bad decision. Maybe not necessarily to a goal, but he does make the odd mistake. He's not dropped. You know what I mean? He's a solid first-choice keeper. Whereas for England keepers, they're all... You could argue they're all the same. No, There's no one standout keeper that's that's our number one. Yeah. I think the last one you could argue was maybe when Joe Hart was at Man City, he was the guy. There was no one really pushing him for that spot. But before that and since then, there's this sort of that group of four or five keepers you could argue should be in the team. Yeah. So if one does make a mistake, 
maybe that head drops and there is the training with them. They know there's t- players they're ready to take their chance. And, and again, when you get your chance, you've got the number one jersey and you think, shit, if I make a mistake, I'm... Uh, if I make a mistake, I'm I'm out of the I'm out of the team. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying about the uh, the pushing. That's a good uh, that's a good a good point because our, our goalkeepers seems to once they get pushed, they get pushed out. Yeah. But other other teams, I mean, other other countries, once they get pushed, they push them away. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They stay in the team. Yeah, it, it, you you can't I can't really think of a goalkeeper that's made a howler and then come back and sort of cemented the position. Like you say, they sort of. Oh, remember, like Scott Carson, for example. You remember yeah, that mistake yeah. he made? Yeah. Have you seen him for England since? He's in the Championship, really. I'm pretty sure he was playing for Derby, actually, funny enough, not no, too long ago. No, I can't remember. <laughs> but the, yeah, I, I get that point. They sort of pushed away, and, and that's sort of the last you, you hear from I him. you could argue David James was in the team for a while. Yeah, he was another one I was thinking of. Um, but again, was there anyone sort of there waiting to that take that spot? That was sort of the period just before. That was sort of between... I mean, him and Paul Robinson, if I'm thinking right, were the same sort of... Time mm. that was their time, but I think David James was a bit after Seaman. Then Robinson had a few years, Rob and then was it was involved. yeah, Rob Green, classy, classy Rob Green. Cool, lovely. Well, if there's nothing else to say on that, Matt, we'll move on to the uh, off script section of the show. Cool. Hi, welcome to the off script segment of the show. Um, just to clarify as well, the jingle that we decided to stick with is Matt scrunching up a piece of paper and throwing it against the wall. And we thought it sounded quite good. So you'll, you'll hear that um, obviously every every Tuesday now. Um, okay, so it's my turn to pick a, a topic this week. Um, what I decided to go with is um, are managers or why are managers getting sacked quicker in modern day football? So my sort of thoughts on this is initially, I think there's more demand from the fans because with sort of social media, the banter you get at work, your, your fantasy league, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook... The scores are there. Everyone's tagging their friends in little comments, and there's videos of your players doing something stupid. For example, Man United just signed Cavani. There's a video of Cavani at the minute going round where his first touch must go. Um, I mean, it's it's Lukaku esque. The first touch, <laughs> it goes so far away. He runs onto it. It's not moving. The ball's still. He runs onto it, puts his foot through. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I've seen it. I don't think he could shoot wider if he tried. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've been tagged in that a few times. So Did I he think... shoot wider than uh, Man United did shoot in uh, wider than Mark trying to sign Sancho? So we'll carry on with the, <laughs> um, with the, with the show. Um, can I say, is that the last Sancho-related comment of the show, or are you just going to throw him out there as and word? Nah. No, just... There may be a couple more. <laughs> oh, God, question time is going to be... <laughs> Who did Manchester United not sign in the transfer window? Okay, um, but yeah, no, I think I think social media and, and, and the fans are, are a big part because it's so much more pressure. And when you see another team doing so well and, and playing good football, you start to question maybe your own manager and your own club. And fans are so quick at the minute to jump on their manager. It's, I mean, it kind of leads me on to my next point. Is it a bad thing, changing manager all the time? Because if you look at, obviously, you've got the main examples, you're Arsene Wenger and Alex Ferguson, they were given... 15, 20 years, however however long it was. And you could argue they were both successful, one obviously more than the other, but with the teams that Wenger had and the backing he, you could say, didn't get, Wenger was a very successful manager. You know, top four every single year without fail, and I don't think he gets enough credit for the work he did. And, and when he was there, I don't know if you remember, yeah. when people used to talk about beautiful football, they'd say Arsenal and Barcelona. Yeah. Arsenal weren't necessarily winning anything, but they'd always come up with, the, if you talk about who plays the best football, it was Arsenal would always enter the conversation. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I, yeah, oh, go on, sorry. I'm going to say, I think, this is my Wenger thing. I, you know, I was one of the people at the time that thought it was probably time for him to go. Um, but I mean, you could argue, are they better off now? You know, because, or what, what would he have done there? Yeah, I, I think, I think it's very good that not, not, I mean, it's not good for Emery, but when Emery came in with all this sort of experience and came from PSG, won the Europa League, you could argue he did a much worse job than Wenger in such a short period of time. Oh, yeah. So it, it kind of, I think that was good for Wenger because people sort of said, okay, maybe he wasn't that bad. I think now under, um, oh God, who's the manager? Arteta. Arteta, yeah. Now they look, they do look, I mean, I, I was I had a bit of a question mark about Arteta. I thought, is he just going to be like a, like a Poundland Pep, if, if you make sense? Yeah. Like, is he Because he's been working with him for a while. Are you thinking that yourself? I did. No, I, that was just rolled that's, off the top. That's like, good, yeah, Poundland Pep. Pound Pep, I like that. Um, but it's it's proving to be that he, he looks, Arsenal look good. And I yeah. hate saying that, but credit to him. They've had a good transfer window. They've, yeah. they've signed down their best players on long contracts. They've got a, a decent young manager, a good stadium. He, he, do you know what? Potentially, they could. I mean, we had them fifth, sixth in our prediction. Yeah. As it stands right now, would you bet against them finishing in the top four? I'd I bet mean, for them to replace Man United in that top yeah, four. Well, and I'm not saying that because you're, you're sat right no, there. I Genuinely, Man United been atrocious. Yeah, and I, and just on that, I mean, I suppose it's sort of the point of off script, and it? it just goes off on a yeah. tangent. But I speak to a friend of mine who's actually been on the show, Ben Murgatroyd, and he was saying how the first three games, Palace ripped us apart Old Trafford. Brighton, we won 3-2 after the final whistle. <laughs> they did hit the post five times, so that should have been 7-3. <laughs> And um, who did we just... I mean, Tottenham, 6-1. I mean, we have been... It's, it's it's not like we've been unlucky or we've played well. We have been getting absolutely ripped to pieces. And, all right, if Tottenham was a one-off, fair enough, went down to 10 minute 3-1, and you lose control of the game. Brighton and Crystal Palace, oh, my God, I've never seen defending like it. And I, I just don't get... I mean, I hope Ollie can fix it. I would love nothing more than Ollie to be the man that turns this around, but... Well, that sort of leads to the point. There's already people saying Oli out, and it's like, it's difficult. We've not had a great transfer window. There's a few, we actually signed quite a few young players, but how long do you stick with your manager? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, mean, the the, the Solskjaer thing, the Man United, we won't touch on it too much, but this has been the situation, hasn't it? Just from Man United, there's the perfect example of, of, you know, why why did they keep replacing the manager? Replace Van Hal, replace Mourinho, replace Moyes, replace Giggs, replace Solskjaer. Not yet. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, it's just well, would you, okay. Who do you replace him with? Yeah. And I think that one of the reasons that that managers keep losing their jobs so quick is it it is a lot easier to replace a manager than it is to replace 15 players. Yeah. Especially absolutely. when you just signed them and yeah. they're not gelling, and all of a sudden you think, well. Okay, we've signed a bunch of new players, and that's that's not work. So it must be the manager, and I think sometimes in a football club, there's a lot more than just what we see as fans. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I support Wednesday. I won't talk too much on, on Wednesday because it's not very interesting. Yeah, stop rumbling on that. Yeah. <laughs> <Calm> down. <laughs> but I mean, the Wednesday manager at the minute, he's been talking about you know he, he's gone into the club and he's changed the culture of the club and. They're not lighting the league up, but he's got rid of a lot of dead wood. He's got rid of a lot of coaching staff, brought his own positive people in and tried to make it a happy, positive place to be. And, you know, they've started with minus 12 points. They've had a decent start to the season. I think they would have been fourth or something if they if they hadn't have wow. had this points deduction. Obviously, that's with four or five games in, but that's just what I'm saying. It's so, so much easier just to replace the manager, whereas I think sometimes it goes a lot deeper than that and, 
just with, with stuff like Man United, I mean, that's that's to me, that's the board, that's the recruitment team. I've mentioned it before. That's bad signing after bad signing after keep signing a winger, keep signing a, a new, you know, a big player. It comes a point where you've got to think, well, you know, sacking the manager and signing big players on long contracts for a waste of money is not going to work. Yeah. Also, I think as well, teams are too afraid. You look at what Watford were doing a couple of years ago. I think teams are so afraid of falling out of the Premier League and what it's going to do to them financially. I know you get the parachute payments as well. But, you know, Watford have four managers in a season. Oh, last year. Last, last season year. Do you know what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And I was, I was going to sort of bring on, like, you, is it better to just stick with your manager and see it through? And I think it's such a fine line because there is a club, like Chelsea, for example. Chelsea don't have their managers for more than two or three years. And you could argue that model works when they have a good squad. They sign good players that can generally work for any manager. And they'll bring in a new manager every couple of years. Then when it goes south, a new manager, they win the league again. So Chelsea are not a team that are going to win the Premier League for three seasons in a row. But every three or four seasons, they will win the Premier League. Uh, and that sort of model works for them. Mm. Um, and I was going to mention today, because obviously we, we, we're from Nottingham and we know a lot of people from Nottingham. I don't suppose you've got thought, because uh, Sabri got sacked today, the Forest manager. Oh, yeah. uh, yesterday, sorry. And um, I think they played four, lost four. I think they've won, I think it was three in 19. <laughs> they were eschewing for the playoffs and it was the odds of them dropping out for the sequence of results to happen for them not to get playoffs was so slim yeah. and they actually dropped out. Oh, yeah, they pulled that off. Yeah, that's not laughing, by the way. <laughs> um, they just give them a new contract as well. They give them a new contract, like, just before they, they played, it was Brentford they played or something. Just before they started this, and that contract was like the kiss of death. He just pretty much lost every single. What game. the manager? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't know that. Well, they, they say they backed him. They brought in like nine new players. Yeah. But I just wanted to get your thoughts because they've got Chris Hewitt. Uh, oh, Hewitt's I, think, oh I saw that. Yeah. yeah, and I just didn't know if you, obviously, being a Wednesday fan, sort of more involved in the championship. Chris Hewitt's had a few promotions. He's, he's considered quite a good manager. Yeah. I suppose you have any thoughts on? Do you think he'll be able to? Because I've got a friend who's a county fan that said he's going to ruin his reputation. Um, but apparently, again, he's got a few backroom staff from other clubs he might be bringing in, and yeah. there's a lot of good talk about it. I don't suppose how you think he's going to do there. Yeah, I don't know how he's going to do, but um, <laughs> that's the end of that. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your input, man. No problem, man. I'm here all week. Um, but, I mean, that just kind of touches on what I was saying there, because like you just said he's bringing in his backroom staff. Do you know what I'm saying? He's changing the culture of the club. Chris Hewitt, interestingly enough, just before Wednesday got Gary Monk, they tried to get Chris Hewitt. Just before, I'm, I'm sorry, just before they got Steve Bruce as well, obviously went to, to Newcastle. Um, but he wouldn't come. Chris Hewton wouldn't come. He, he wouldn't come to the club. And there is stuff, he'd never say why, but there is stuff in Wednesday that nobody will ever know. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. someone that like Hewton's gone there and thought, do you know what? I'm not having anything to do with this yeah something and, would have something would have stopped exactly bit. was it were you trying to hire him when you had the 12 point deduction because that could be a no big, no no, okay. no it, it was when wednesday i think they just they just sacked uh, carver how i got another manager like i said i won't bang on about wednesday too much but the, wednesday were uh, competing for the premiership team so a manager like steve bruce could have come in and could have potentially took him up mm. uh, and hewton would have none of it and you just said yourself he's gone to forest and he's bought in his own coaching staff mm. so put people he's not relying on getting to know he's bringing in people that he knows his work and that environment that he's created at other clubs obviously he took newcastle up he did well at brighton that environment he's created at other clubs mm. he's now going to bring into forest it won't surprise me if he did well yeah because you, you think about it as well that you can't question him because he can say to the players well 
you listen to me. I know how to get a club promoted. Yeah. So why would you not listen to me? You can't say what I'm saying is wrong. I can get this club promoted. And like I said, they've had a load of new signings. And uh, obviously, I hope, I hope he does well there. Obviously, there's a few Derby fans I know as well, but I uh, hope he doesn't do too well. <laughs> but they've openly admitted that they're, um, they're a little bit worried. Chris Hewitt is a good coach. He's a good manager. He's got a good reputation. And um, obviously, I, I hope he does a good job there. But I don't suppose you had... I mean, my last sort of point on, obviously, the initial off-script topic was why managers go so early. The money in football now, yeah. if you drop out the Champions League or you get relegated or you finish two or three positions lower than what you expected to or what your your finances, your finance projections suggest, you you lose sponsors, you lose TV rights. Players. Play, yeah, you lose players. Um, your manager, what, do you know what I mean? Other clubs coming for your manager if you've had a good year. It's There's so much money in football now. Having the wrong person in charge, I mean... It's like Mourinho, for example, to sack him costs so much more money than it would just to sign a few players for him. But if you don't think he's the right man, you're going to pay him off. And it's just, I think there's that much money in football now that you can't afford to back the wrong person. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it goes back to that point I mentioned, that it's easier to sack a manager than it is to, to get rid of your players. If Mourinho, for example, let's say Tottenham, let's say he has a bad year, you know, and what, what would you rather do? Would you rather... Keep him, knowing that you're going to end up disgruntling half your team mm. and potentially they're going to get onto their agents and you're going to lose your big players then, Harry Kane, Ali, etc. They may be looking at other clubs. Or do you just get rid of Mourinho, try and get someone in that is, one, going to do a good job, but two, the players are happy with, and therefore you keep your players, you can keep selling your shirts. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I think there's that side and trying to create a balance between whether or not you're going to win on the pitch, your marketing, filling the stadium, getting the manager, keeping the staff happy, selling tickets. Who would want that job? Yeah, I think the, you, the example you gave, it was, it was Pochettino the season before. Yeah. You know I mean, what do you do? Do you keep him there or do you bring somebody in? I think Mourinho was a risky... I mean, if, you, if anyone's seen the documentary, it's really good. You sort of see how he gets introduced and the players are a bit sceptical. Is it going to be too tactical? But it's... <laughs> For me, it's you can't back the wrong manager. I think a manager will come in, he'll get a few players. If he doesn't do well, that will lead to the board question, OK, how many more players do we need to give this guy to get it right? He's already got it wrong with the first bunch. Yeah. Yes, he might be the right guy. We'll back him again and it'll all turn around. But do you go and spend another 100, 200 million on players just for him to get it wrong again? Then, like you said, you're stuck with a squad of 15, 20, 25 players. You can't just get rid of all them. You have to hope, you, right, manager's gone. Who can we bring in to make this work? And if 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 the squad's wrong, that's a three, four, five year period where you've got to chop and change, get rid of the deadwood, correct it, find the right manager. It's it's a, it's a difficult it's a difficult sort of um, juggling act, and and I think it's it's an interesting one. But I think managers now, I think money's a big part of the reason why managers don't sort of get their their long term long term positions anymore. Could argue that's what's happened at Man United. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't. I, I try and not talk about it too much because it's got. We, we take feedback on board, and it. But it, it is. I mean, Moy's got a few players in, didn't work. Van Gaal got a few players in, won the FA Cup. They didn't want him because Mourinho was free. Mourinho finished second, needed a centre back or whatever it was, and and he got Fred for fifty two million. We didn't need a midfielder, and and you could argue the same thing with Oli. He had a good few players come in. Finish third. That, that I'm sorry, you want that is the best you're getting out of that squad. You're not catching City and Liverpool with that squad. Invest. Give him. Give him. Obviously, I've made a few jokes. Give him Jadon Sancho. <laughs> Go and sign Koulibaly. Bring in a top class centre midfielder, uh, Thomas Partey, who Arsenal just signed. Incredible signing. 
give him the tools. What have they done? They've got a left back when he's already got Luke Shaw. They've brought in Cavani when we've already got Martial. They've gave Cavani the number seven shirt, which for me suggests that. I mean, it, there's rumours where we're going to go back for uh, for Sancho in January or maybe next summer. You've, you've you've lost the number seven shirt now, which was a big appeal to come into the club. So yeah, I think I think financially it's such a big argue money, players, contracts. That could be the reason why managers don't get a lot of time these days. But um, you could argue is that the right way? Like we said, Chelsea do replace the manager quite often, and they have a successful time of it. Do you think Man United could go down? No. You know, you know, I, I don't. Well, you say that. No, they are too big. I think money, like I said, money in football now. If you're a big club now, like we spoke about Newcastle on the last episode, they yeah, were a big club in the early two thousands. Leeds yeah. were a big club. Leeds, look at Leeds. If, if you're, yeah, don't get me wrong, they've come back up. They had a good 11, 12 years, not in the league. <laughs> but <laughs> if you look, if you're a big club now, there's too much money for you not to get this right. You will always have enough money. Global appeal. You will always be a big club now. Yeah, you might not always win the league, but you'll always have money to rebuild. We've rebuilt three or four times. And I agree, there's only so many times you can rebuild. But Liverpool went 30 years. and Liverpool weren't losing 6-1 at home at the time. Yeah, we, we didn't want to, I didn't want to bring that up on the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it just because you're a Man United fan. Like, I, I think it's a serious possibility. I'm not saying this season. But, it, you know, Man United, they're getting ripped every single week. Everyone's laughing at them. Obviously, I've made several jokes here. N- nothing, obviously, personal. It's just a bit of banter. But No, it's personal. Yeah, because right, <laughs> you. It is, yeah. But I'm serious. Like I, I saw that. You know, they're, they're on the knees. De Gea, Maguire, they're all looking at each other. They're all getting laughed at, ripped to pieces. There's only going to be so much that lot are going to take before they just start thinking, you know what, I don't need this. Yeah. You know, I, I can go somewhere else and maybe take a bit less money and compete. And... You know, is it Leeds, Leeds, I know it was a long time ago, but Leeds went from a Champions League semi-finalist to playing in League One and not in a very long period of time either. Yeah, uh, listen, it, realistically, no, I don't think it's going to happen. We'll always attract players. There'll always be a manager waiting in the wings, for example. There's a lot of talk about Pochettino. It's a big job. A manager, would it can't get any worse. If you're a manager and this, this job's going, you think, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. Because if you turn it around, you're you're the hero. You're the person that's done it. Um, but again, no, I don't. I don't think we'll get relegated. And that pressure, though, that pressure. The next time a manager comes in or the next player comes in, it's like, right, what well, is this? It surely, like you've just said, it can't get any worse. You'd have thought couldn't have got any worse from um, from Moyes, Van Gaal, Mourinho. Really, would you take them over this? Yeah, um, and like you said, it's we spoke about the early relegation candidates and that sort of, it's so early, but you do start, it is in the back of your mind. If Man United play the next game against, I think it's Newcastle, and they beat us 2-3-0, three, mm-hmm. and then the next game it's 2-3-0, it's and it, we're leaking goals, and maybe all of a sudden the pressure, I, listen, I can't, United can't get relegated. I'm not comfortable talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I don't see the sweat for enough, you mate. Swear, I'm, I'm <laughs> stood in a puddle. Um, but no, no, United, I, I, no, like, they can't. I don't think they can get rid of it. I think they're too big of a club. Okay. Um, there's too much money there, and, and obviously we'll, we'll we'll move on. And uh, we'll talk in a few. Now I'll dry this patch up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, lovely. So if there's nothing else on uh, managers, are sort of the time to get in modern day football. We can move on to the question time. Cool. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Question Time. Me and Matt were just saying how much we enjoy the new little jingle there. I hope it uh, works for all you guys as well. 
Um, so I've got a couple of questions, obviously, it's relating to international teams and, and things like that, seeing as that was the main subject. Yeah, me too. Yeah, good, good. Do you want to fire off with yours first, Matt? Yeah, of course, yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, um, Czech Republic play, um, I think, one of the first games okay. for the international roundup. Can you name a Czech player that's playing in the Premier League? Is there one? Yeah. yeah okay. I'll tell you that, it was not easy to find. <laughs> which makes you think, actually, hang on a minute. You think Czech Republic, you know, they're a big team. They, well, well, I've got one. I found one playing the Premier League. Before I sit here in silence for a minute or two, is it? Is it? Will I be able to get it? Will I know this guy? You should. Yeah, you do, you know him. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned him on a previous episode. I think is it is it Thomas Suchek from yeah. West Ham? Yeah, that's the only one. Yes, that I could find. Yeah, Jesus, you would have thought there'd have been a few. Oh, you know I mean, what I mean, you think about who they've had, like some of the big players they've had: Nedved, Paborski. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've had loads. Jan Koller. Yeah. Petr Czech. Koller. Can you name uh, a player from Denmark playing in the Premier League? Um, just to confirm, guys. Check. He's from Peter. Yeah, Peter Check is from Czech. Thanks. Um, Denmark. 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 Uh, Eric. No, Ericsson's left, hasn't he? Ericsson's gone. You see, it's not easy. This is it. Again, is it one that will I get it? There's it? a couple of them. Yeah. When I when I say the first one, you'll uh, kick yourself. Okay, one second. Uh, then... No, nothing's coming to mind. I don't want to sit here all night. Casper Schmeichel. Right. Okay. Okay, yeah. And have also had Christensen as well for Chelsea. And there's a few more. Okay. Uh, then I've got two historic ones after this one. So can you name um, an Austrian player in any the Premier Austrian. League? Oh, okay. Well, can you name any Austrian player? <laughs> yeah, I think Arnautovic was Austrian. He was, yeah. Plays in China now, but no, I can't think. I, I don't know if there's one in the league. It's Leicester's finest, Christian Fuchs. Christian Fuchs, wow. I didn't even, yeah, no, I knew of him. I didn't know he was Austrian, so I never got that. A okay. little bit of a history lesson for you now. A lesson or a question? Yeah, both. Depends okay. if you get it right. <laughs> um, one of the only, could even be the only Estonian player no. to play. Okay. <laughs> Don't even finish that question. <laughs> You're a goalkeeper. Okay. Play for Derby. No, no. Mart Poom. Mart Poom. Yeah, I'd have never heard it. I don't even know that is. Never heard of it. <laughs> The first ever Latvian player. Jesus. <laughs> Just making up countries now. <laughs> the first ever Latvian player to play in the Premier League. No. Go on. Formed a strike partnership with James Beattie at Southampton. You can't remember him. Okay, hold on. Southampton. Oh, no. <laughs> I can see the cogs at Southampton. That's S O U. Played in red and white. Coming to me in a minute now. <laughs> Got to the tip of my tongue, who is it? No, not getting it, mate. Marion Parhart. No, no. <laughs> okay, lovely. Thanks for that. Sorry. It was a history lesson. Um, okay, so international teams, the World Cup. Which one? The, just the World Cup. There's no right. name in the tournament. <laughs> How many teams have actually won the World Cup? Yeah, let me just get my phone out so I can look at Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, clue. Yeah, we're stupid not to take it. It's a single digit number. Okay. Eight. Is it eight? Is it eight? Is what it are you phoned at? <laughs> it's eight. It's eight. eight. Okay. 
Uh, every week, every time there's some kind of numbers situation. I nearly <laughs> said that, but I didn't want to jinx it. Right, okay. Follow-up question, based right. on the eight teams. Okay? <laughs> Who are the eight teams? Well, yeah, if you can name them, great. But one of them has won it five times. Okay. okay? Can you name, obviously? Yeah, that's Brazil, eh? That is Brazil, yeah. Yeah. There's two teams that have won it four times. Okay. Can you name those? Is one of them Germany? One of them is Germany. Is one of them France? No. Okay. Do you want one more guess on that? Yeah. Italy. It is. Italy. Yeah, yeah. So Brazil five, Germany, Italy, four times each. Then there's three teams that have won it twice. Okay. Can you name those three teams? You've named one of them already, so I'll give you that. France is one. France, of them. yeah. Argentina. Argentina's the other one. Okay. okay. And you don't think I know this? I well, I, this would have been the one I'd have said you're not going to get. Oh yeah. Is it Uruguay? It's Uruguay. I think That's they were the first one. They, they, they were, were the first. That is the only reason I know that because I can't remember why. But when I was about 19 or something, I was just like looking at, you know, when you look on Wikipedia and yeah. you just like click on something to click on something else to click on something else. I can't remember why I was clicking on like the World Cup, yeah, probably because I'm interested in football. Possibly. Um, and I remember seeing like they won the first one and I think they won the third one as well. So it was right. only because I'd seen that they'd won like one of the first few. If they'd have won like the ninth one or something, I'd have never got to. Yeah, see, I knew they won the first. I wouldn't have thought they won two, so I was quite surprised. And, and can you name the last two? They've, they've both won it once each. But the last two winners? Uh, not the last two winners, no. So there's 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 two more teams of the eight that you haven't mentioned. They've won it once each. Oh right, and you know um, those two teams. So you've got Brazil at five, Germany, yeah. Italy with four each, France, Argentina, and Uruguay with two each, and then there's two teams that have won it once. Ah, oh, mine's gone blank here. Oh. Um. Spain. Spain's Spain. Spain. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be some weird country. Isn't it? <laughs> it is a very, it's a very weird country. You could say that. Is it? It's England. Of course. It is. <laughs> How the hell did I not get that? <laughs> uh, credit to the Uruguay one, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Mike. If that's everything, buddy, we can get this on. <laughs> Didn't get England. Fun fact for you before we uh, end the show. We'll we'll radio. Up, go for it. It's quite good. Yeah. Uh, you obviously you know the bird pigeon. The, the pigeon, the bird, yes. Pigeon, yeah, it flies about. You'll never see a baby pigeon. Okay. You, you ever seen a baby pigeon? I, I've seen a dead baby bird <laughs> in my garden once. I can't verify if it was a pigeon, but no, why? Go on. There you go. No, just, You've never seen one. Is that a fact? Well, he's just fact. sitting there today thinking, I've never saw a baby pigeon. Never have. Never have you. <laughs> Again, I think I have seen what it was. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was dead sprawled out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lovely. So uh, thanks for that ending fact there, Matt, okay. um, and thanks for listening.